0: Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You
1: are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go.
2: You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It is Tuesday, May 3rd. I'm happy to be here with you and with my sister, Julie. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California, and Julie is in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, what day is it today?
0: It's Teacher Appreciation Day, Leanne. Yay! I think they should have a whole week, a whole month, a whole year, (laughs) right? You had great teachers. I had great teachers. Thankfully, my kids have my, had great teachers. My yeah. sons had great teachers. Even my grandchildren have great teachers. So.
2: so teachers, we appreciate you. Today's your day. I hope you get uh, 25 coffee mugs. <laughs> 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 and I'm sure you're hoping you don't get okay, 25 coffee months. But uh, thank you, teachers, for all you do. All right, Julie, we have a full show today. A lot happening. You had a you had an unexpectedly delightful weekend. So we're yes. going to hear all about that. I can't wait to hear the details. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a big story breaking this weekend. I-, I actually was waiting for this news, and I'm sure I'm not alone. <laughs> and I like to think it's because I had a high school senior that I was. Is more in tune with this but the white house announced this weekend that malia obama would be going to harvard but the real news was that she's taking a gap year
0: yes so we're gonna... of course you were the trendsetter on this <laughs> land well not you but your son right yes That's the trendsetter yeah uh, i mean it's common in europe but not so common in the united states so right. great
2: right so this bringing new attention to the gap year being taking a year off between high school before you start college to do something uh Also, today we're going to talk about just a really um, revelatory article in the New York Times about Alzheimer's. And Mm -hmm. uh, if you've had Alzheimer's in your family, you could read it and nod your head a lot and think, oh, we should have done that. Uh, If you haven't and you want to know actually what Alzheimer's feels like and sounds like, this is the article for you to read. Uh, Julie, you claim that Brooklyn is the center of the universe and you're going to prove it today.
0: Two events are happening there, Leanne. It just once again underscores that it's all happening there in the borough. <laughs> okay.
2: I have some fitness tidbits, all right, <laughs> fitness tidbits for you if you're on a summer shape-up plan, a couple of things you might want to tune into. And then we have Sister Sassnatch is back. Mm-hmm. That is, it's our Outlander commentary. Not a full recap, Outlander commentary today. Um, but Julie, I want to announce that we have kind of a big get on the weekend and we don't say that much these days anymore. <laughs> we, no.
0: What do we get? What, like like we if we can something, what do we get, Leanne? If
2: we can get Sheila to show up, that's a big get for us, frankly. <laughs>
0: um, that, that, that apparently is not happening, but so who who would you get instead of Sheila?
2: We have uh, Nike co-founder and former CEO, Phil Knight is going to be on Satellite Sisters this weekend. He has written really an astonishing new memoir. He actually wrote it himself, unlike a lot of big-time CEOs. Uh, He wrote it himself, and it's about the early days of Nike, Before the company goes public, but it's a very personal, very revealing memoir slash business thriller slash confessional. And as it happens, 40% of the Satellite Sisters have worked for Phil Knight at some point. (laughs) (laughs) That's a rather high percentage. I worked at Nike for a short time. Uh, for five years at one point in my career, early in my career. And Liz worked there for a longer time, achieving much greater levels of success at Nike than I did. But both of us actually shockingly had a lot of interaction with Phil Knight. So we are thrilled that uh, Friday afternoon we're taping an interview with him and we'll post that on the weekend show. So we're- that
0: sounds fantastically. And his book, Shoe Dog, uh, which just came out, uh, our sister Liz gave me a copy of it this weekend. I read it on the plane. You just can't even believe it. First of all, it's really well written. You know, that I think kind of surprised me. You know, I didn't know what to expect, but it's really well written. And it is kind of reads like a thriller because it it was so clear that this company wasn't even going to get off the ground. Uh, They had so many near disasters uh, along the way. So it's, it's a good read.
2: I will say this, having one of my job at Nike was a production assistant and then eventually writer producer in the film and special events department. So we produced a lot of events that featured Phil and athletes and other high ranking company executives like Liz. Um, And um, one of the things that always surprised me about Phil was that no matter who else we had on stage, whether it was Jordan or Agassi or any of our big name athletes, it was Phil that was always The center of the show and not because he was one of those big time, big personality CEOs, but because he was extraordinarily personal when he spoke. So Uh when he actually got up to address the troops on various occasions, it was very personal. So it doesn't surprise me that the writing is good.
0: Hmm. To be honest,
2: because he was he was great at putting stuff together 25 years ago, and I didn't know how great because I had never worked up close, boss, <laughs> personal with CEOs before. Because prior to Nike, I had been a cocktail waitress, so my <laughs> my previous work experience was all you're not really the, were
0: drunk. Oh, it was so that's
2: <laughs> not really at the C suite level. It was only after I left Nike that then I had the chance to work, work and see other CEOs in action, whether working at various companies or attending different conferences or speaking at different conferences. And that's when I began to appreciate just you know his style of communication. So uh, and the book is very much is very much that. So we will be talking to Phil Knight, CEO of Nike, uh, this this Friday, and. We- <laughs> Julie, of course, if all goes well with the skype, which is just the nuttiest thing right you know,
0: don't mention it, Leanne. the brain trust
2: of people working on connecting my my iMac with his telephone it's <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. it's just the glamour of podcasting people but okay good well i can't
0: wait we're excited to talk to him interview the name of the book is shoe dog uh it's it's a great gift uh and it's a great read so be sure to do that so well leanne you may want to ask well how did i actually get a book from liz because (laughs) i was in los angeles this weekend surprise trip this was a surprise trip. It was, You know, have you ever heard of the movie Lemony Snicket and a Series of Unfortunate Events?
2: Julie, read well, all the books. Listened to all the books on audio on all of our driving, on all of our driving trips when the kids were little. I love those books.
0: Yes. Well, this was sort of Lemony Snicket and a Series of Incredibly Wonderful Events. <laughs> <laughs> that just like these things, it started with an extended business meeting. My husband was out in California on extended business meeting, and then there was a reservation that could not be made. Um, there was a birthday. It happened to be his birthday. There was a free coupon. There was an upgrade. There was a second recommendation. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I was flying to Los Angeles to meet my husband, and we spent the weekend... At the Hotel Bel Air, Leon, have you ever? <laughs> no, I no, I don't go. All right, to places this the like whole, I don't I know, Leon. We felt like the biggest imposters. We had no business being at this hotel, but again, it was lemony snicket and a series of unfortunate events. I mean, we arrived, Leon. The valet parkers were better dressed than I was, you know? I mean, I was intimidated by them. They had on these blue blazers with piping and, like, white duck pants and uh, white shoes. I I, I don't know. And then the whole place, it's tucked back in off Stone Canyon Road. I'm telling you because I'm never going to get there again. So, It's just. And it's off Sunset Boulevard, and the whole place smells of like jasmine. Oh, it is jasmine season this year. uh, Yeah. Roses and orange trees and their giant swans swimming in the pool you know in these ponds and again we had no business being there and you have a sense like and it's small there are only like 100 rooms at this place and somehow we got some like triple upgrade again because it was my husband's birthday you threw that in there you threw that down well, and they upgraded again, it was the, somebody asked us are you celebrating any of uh, any special occasions And we're like, well, it does happen to be my husband's birthday. And again, things tumbled together. And the next thing we knew, we were in a junior suite with a jacuzzi. (laughs) Land. So I don't know how that happened. Okay. Now, everyone at this hotel—it's very quiet there. You don't see other people, Mm -hmm. but the few people you do see—you have—they look like we didn't see any celebrities, but we. Everyone there looks like. A celebrity's best friend, oh. you know, you know, like all the people that went to the Met Ball in New York. Yes, well, yeah. their best friends were at the Hotel <laughs> Bel Air this past weekend. Okay, they just look like they could be someone, or they hang out with someone. I mean, we they, we at one point we were sitting by the pool, and there was a woman uh, next to me, and she was like buying a horse over the phone. Oh. Right? <laughs> Buying wow. a horse. Wow, London, and the horse was in London. So I was like, "Oh brother, oh brother!" So we're just loving every minute of it. The room they have, like this this hotel, I, I guess, closed in. You know, all it's an old time Hollywood hotel, and mm-hmm. you know they, uh, you know, like every big celebrity has ever ever been there. You get the menu for the pool luncheon, and it is a picture of Marilyn Monroe uh, at the pool at the Hotel Bel Air. Oh. You know, it's just. Very glamorous in an understated, not flashy way, you know. And so, um, we, and we just, the room was beautiful, but it had all been renovated. So it was all sort of high tech now. So the toilet, Leon, had seven different settings. Wow, I
2: don't even want to know.
0: No. You could. <laughs> you could, <laughs> this, hmm. the, you could Go places on this toilet that you have never been. Land. That's all I'm saying. And we were just scrambling to use the amenities in the room. And you know how you get the free shampoo and the yeah. free body wash. Well, they didn't have like little things. These were like giant bottles. I mean, I was trying to cram them into my quart-sized plastic TSA-approved bag. I just could not steal enough of this stuff. <laughs> my husband's like, well, that's classy. That's classy. really classy to be stealing it. I mean, that's, that's classy. my husband was like, take the honey, take the honey that came with our tea. I was like, we have honey in Texas.
1: You guys He's are on like, a watch
2: list now. You're on a watch list at the Hotel Bel Air. You'll never be invited I mean, back.
0: They're just the whole thing was just, again, we had no business being there. And then, and then because it was, um, my husband's birthday, we got three different birthday cakes. <laughs> <laughs> when we arrived in the room, there was really, t- yes, Lynn, it's the hotel. Bella. Uh, wow. There's a teeny tiny birthday cake in there, you know, and then, you know, just exquisite little cake, which of course we ate every little bit of it. That, um, and a, and a bottle of champagne. Okay. That was lovely. Then we had dinner there and another little cake. We didn't order dessert, but a little cake came out. And as my husband said, the ultimate luxury, the waiters did not sing happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is, wow, that is
2: a classy. It's classy.
0: So, yeah, so uh, I, I mean, I just we didn't we didn't leave the place. Okay, there was no point in leaving this because it was never going to happen again. So we stayed as long as we could uh, while we were there at the Hotel Bel Air, and it was, you know, it was just a great, great weekend. You know, it was one of those things where oh, now I get why people love California. It's it was so so incredibly gorgeous there. So. <laughs> I'm looking at the photos on the website. My yeah, gosh, yeah. you
2: didn't go to tea, did you?
0: No, no, we didn't go to tea. Mm-hmm. I, we did see two weddings that went on. Oh, and I bet. A the- baby shower. There was a baby shower going on. Uh, they were setting up for it. I'm not kidding. There were $20,000 worth of flowers at this at this baby shower. It looked like <laughs> I mean, InStyle magazine. I mean, it was like. It probably was. I mean, It, it pro- probably was. Like, again, because it was everybody's best friends, celebrities' best friends were all there. The baby shower's name was too, too cute. That was the, of course it had a theme and a giant, you know, it had everything, Leon, and $20,000 worth of flowers. So the place smelled <laughs> great. Wow. We didn't take any of the flowers. They left the flowers after the baby shower. <laughs> but we didn't take them. Okay. We, I made my, my husband put the honey back. He did not take the honey Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's
2: just embarrassing. Because you know it's going to open up in the plane, and you're going you know, to like, that's a bad move. <laughs> Well, that sounds delightful. That was
0: it, Leanne. That was my big weekend.
2: Well, I have the opposite. I mean, we went to a very low-key college reunion, so it was a lot of fun. My husband's 30th college reunion. Uh, he had two friends in town for that. It, they're also my friends because my husband and I went to the same college. So, in fact, I, I have known the two guys we had. They were the f- two of the first guys I met at college. They lived right below me my freshman year. And one of them ended up marrying my college roommate. So that's oh, that's, uh, nice. that's where my husband and I met, at, re-met at their wedding five years after college. But um, it was just a really delightful day, just catching up with people 30, 30 years. That's Liam. Wow. I know, man, right? Can you believe it?
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I know I you never want to admit. To I, know. How old, I know I know. I know. Things happen. Time passes. I know. But what's your thi- what's you thinking? Uh, do people look pretty good at the 30th reunion or or is this when the, the slippery sto- slope starts? It may, at- you know, it, it almost didn't
2: even matter. It's with oh, the comp- it's we didn't go to a very a school that has like competitive graduates. And there are a couple of very high profile graduates in my husband's class, so I will not even say their names, but, so you just can't compete like they win. So if you're trying to compete on any sort of amassing wealth scale, we're, yeah. we're out. We are totally out. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit like the hotel Bel Air. Yeah, There's yeah, one clear winner. And so the rest of us are out yeah. and, uh, that's, so that's the good news, but, uh, so people people look pretty good. They were hanging in. You know, all people talked about was college admissions, though, because a lot of people have... Kids in high school, kids applying, and because where we went, Pomona College, has gotten so insanely hard to get into, a lot leads to a lot of very disappointed alumni who yeah. cannot get, you know, would love to share that experience with their children, and now they can't. So that, that was the overall theme, but once people rose above that, it was just tons of fun. A lot of laughs and, and just a lot of fun. Very, very low-key. So um, nice to see people, and and at that point, at thirty years, there's some people I hadn't seen in thirty years. So I was like, hey, you know, let's just skip to the first twenty-five after college. What have you been doing <laughs> the last five years? You know, and,
0: oh, that's a good way to handle it. Yeah, yeah.
2: don't okay. fill me in on every detail since 1986. But um, so it was really fun, and uh, I enjoyed going. I was the designated driver, so it was all good there, all good at the college reunion. And speaking of college, you know, the big news story this weekend, the, the Obamas announced that their daughter Malia will be going to Harvard University, but starting in twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking a gap year. And, you know, when you think about it, that's just a very wise decision for her. Because it would be I think it must be terrible and fun and exciting, but difficult to grow up in the White House. You know, yes, that is a singular that a experience.
0: Role, exactly, Leanne. I yeah. And You know, I mean, for all of the daughters, you know, all the children that have been in the White House, you know, just, you know, I think the press at least has been pretty good about, you know, you know, leaving the Obama girls alone and stuff like that. But that that is that's hard. It's got to be hard. It is
2: hard. And and I the idea that like going in, especially in an, in an election year it's you know her father's going out of office but a lot of things will be said about him it'll be contentious on a college campus at that point I just think that's a really smart idea to just lay low for a year no matter what she does but then she's taking the gap year so that's fantastic sort of putting into light this concept that Europeans and Australians and New Zealanders have used forever that you take a year off between high school and college and you travel the world or you do something interesting and then you go back and you start your undergraduate degree and it's not very um common here but it's increasingly common um since the early 2000s they said is kind of when the idea caught on here for a bunch of reasons and um and harvard said they have 80 to 100 kids a year take a gap year oh that's good and a lot of schools now encourage it why even like giving you grants or making that a, a, you know, I think it's Duke and gives you grants if you want to do a gap year and things like that, because they found that the kids who come back after the gap year, they just have a different perspective on starting college. They tend to do better with grades. They have some sort of frame of reference for drug and alcohol and social issues on campus that maybe kids who are true freshmen come in and, they get all caught up in that right away and that's no great not great for their academic performance. So there are all kinds of studies that have been done that it does it does, you know, really pay off in the long run for your college experience and beyond. But I like I like to a one social scientist who was quoted in the New York Times today. She said like adolescent years are like dog years. 1 year equa- is equal to 7 years. And I would huh. say that for sure. Like when my son took a gap year for a bunch of reasons, uh, but it was his choice to do it. And he just stayed home and worked. It wasn't a super fancy year. He stayed home and worked because he was still playing soccer and still trying to go that route. But he ended up taking a couple of photo classes at night just for fun and completely changed his academic path. But he just grew up a ton in that year. And he went into a very competitive college environment, very different than a lot of other schools at at an art school. And there's no way he could have done that work that he was required to do as an 18 year old, he was young to begin with. He was only 17 when he graduated. And Malia's only 17. She mm-hmm. doesn't turn 18 till July, I think, or August. So I think it's a super good idea for her. So well, they say, I'm
0: sure, I mean, I'm glad, she, I'm sure she'll be happy that you're happy. With have, I'm so I'm yeah. totally
2: happy with her. Tra- <laughs> have, have <laughs> they they, they have
0: probably haven't revealed what she's going to be doing for the gap year. No,
2: right? which is yeah. good. Fine. She, but maybe she doesn't even know yet and that's yes. fine. Maybe she'll just travel with her. You know what's ever happening in the last six months of the administration, or maybe she'll go someplace else or work somewhere in Washington D.C. You mm-hmm. know, those are all good choices. So uh, you know, hopefully she won't just sit at home on the couch and play video games. But I don't. think I'm <laughs> guessing not. I'm gu- I'm guessing not. I'm guessing <laughs> not. And Gabby well, or- she,
0: she, she's got it. She can only do that to January because somebody else is gonna <laughs> yeah. be move, moving in on that yeah. couch. Maybe what, your, mother, maybe mother- she's just
2: gonna go house hunting with her mother and like be in charge of packing. Uh, that would also be good, you know. Whatever. Yeah, no. I,
0: but I think your idea. Of, you're you're right about the focus that yeah. they come in. You know, the maturity. I mean, I think it helps in choosing the majors. So good for her. No, yeah, that's, it's that's not very, for every, so, every
2: kid. It's not, yeah. and not every kid needs to do it. I offered that option to my son Colin. He's ready to go. He's six months older than his brother. He is kind of a different personality so uh so when he said no i'm good to go i i believed him that's (laughs) the other thing i would say uh do not force your child to take a gap year right (laughs) parents (laughs) just because it's seemingly trendy now it should be their choice and they should be on board because it's not a usual choice and Malia is getting, you know, unbelievably some backlash, but my son did too. I think I said this the other day, people assumed that he quote, didn't get into college. He was taking a gap year. It's hard to explain here. Mm -hmm. So they have to want to do it themselves. Socially, it's very different. You know, they are going to be a year behind their friends in college, but Not really, because as I've seen, as kids go on through college, they take a semester off here, they take a semester off there, they take six years to graduate. He's gone over the summer, so he's really only like you know one quarter behind his friends now, even though he took a full year off. So it's all good. I'm I'm very happy for her, and I wish her the best of luck. I wish her the best of luck. I think you're going to see a surge in applications to Harvard though for next year. (laughs) I mean,
0: I know when. (laughs) Good. That's what Harvard needs is more applications land. Yeah.
2: For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. okay? And I'm, I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you, it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And prose is spelled P-R-O-S-E, Pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, prose. I know when John Kennedy Jr. went to Brown, I applied there. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. I didn't get in, but I, I was one of the many, many young women. That applied to School of Proud. Just the next thought year. maybe
0: if you could just get on the same campus. Just
2: in the same vortex, Julie. You never know. You oh. never know. So anyway, there you have it.
0: Good, good. Hey, Leanne, I, I know you read it. I read it. Um, there was an absolutely excellent and in some ways pretty essential article that the New York Times did in a special section entitled Fraying at the Edges by N.R. Kleinfeld and uh, Field. And this is a portrait, a very detailed portrait. I, I don't even, I, you know, it's multiple pages of a woman, Jerry Taylor, who at the age of 69 realized that she was, that she had Alzheimer's. Um, she had some of the first symptoms of Alzheimer's, you know, it, it happened to her one morning where she didn't recognize herself in the mirror, you know, but, and she was familiar with the disease because both um, her aunt and her uh, one of her parents had, had died of Alzheimer's. Uh, and this is really a, just a very in-depth look at some of the, the early stages of this disease. Um, as many of you that have listened to the, our podcast know, our dad died of Alzheimer's. Um, Typically, Alzheimer's is a disease that lasts eight to 10 years. You know, it can last longer than that. Uh, uh, And the other thing that we learned, which is so disheartening, is that for each patient, the course of the disease takes a different path in terms of what what to expect or when to expect it. And I think it's that unpredictability that, you know, that just, you know, we were always so... We had so much anxiety about what was going to happen next or what the next day would bring or how we we going to meet the new challenges that this disease, this debilitating disease took. And I think reading this article, it was, was it difficult for you to do that, uh, to read through this? I wasn't psyched to do it when I saw the
2: headline, yeah. but the minute I, you know, a couple paragraphs in, I could see that it was very thoughtfully written. I didn't think I wanted to live through it again, yeah. but I, I was curious, particularly because the woman was fairly young when she was diagnosed Yeah, and the fact that she would agree to do this article meant that she had a self-awareness about the disease and wasn't yes. in denial about right. the, uh, wasn't in denial about the diagnosis. And that's a barrier for a lot of Alzheimer's patients and family members. So she, she accepted her, um, her diagnosis, you know, It was depressing, but she fought to even stay undepressed, basically. She fought against depression consciously. So it was about a 20,000-word piece. It is a fantastically researched, detailed article that clearly the reporter followed her for years, her and her family for years. So, um, yeah, I was reluctant, but I'm glad I did.
0: Yeah. And, you know, 5 million people a year are diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And and so this impacts so many families. And, you know, and I just, if you haven't had a chance to read it, if you're a caregiver, if you are, you know, if you know someone with Alzheimer's, the name of the article is Fraying at the Edges. Uh, and it's just, uh, I, I think it's just, just as you said, Lane, so insightful. Um, I mean, for us, what was difficult was we didn't. We didn't know what to expect, and our dad was not good about communicating about what was going on. You know, he didn't want to talk about it when he probably could have talked about it. And then when he lost the ability to communicate about it, we just had to kind of, you know, scramble and and figure it out with the help of many, you know, many caregivers and you know and doctors along the way. So um, this there is- were two, there were two
2: points of the article I thought that were interesting. If you're if you're you think something might be happening with your a family member, I think it'd be hugely helpful. Uh, and the first was that, um, the, the first was that you get a sense of what the disease is really like, because yeah. the Hollywood portrayal of this disease is like, oh, look, he's grandpa's doing funny things, like doesn't want to have dinner with his pants on. You know what yeah. I mean? There's just a, yeah. I, I, there's just a lot of misconceptions about, what the disease actually does. And I'm sure, Julie, you've been asked a million times and I've been asked a million times, did your father forget who you were? And, you know, yes. He knew we were those nice people that show up. But seriously, there are so many other more heartbreaking things to the disease that that is not the biggest deal. Like, and this article sort of pinpointed your loss of skills when you're not able to do things you loved doing. Uh, and that, that's the heartbreaking aspect of the disease. And then the other thing I thought was very powerful was when the patient said, you know, there are a lot of support groups for caregivers, but there aren't actually that many for Alzheimer's patients.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: And because our father didn't really want to acknowledge that he had Alzheimer's and that was a real struggle... It wasn't even, I don't think, anything we checked out. He went to a, a kind of an in-day care situation a couple of times, but it was very rough getting him there, and he did not want to go. But this particular patient really accepted her diagnosis and wanted to talk to other Alzheimer's patients while she still could about what she was going through. I found that very powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very powerful. So...
0: All right. You, so check it out fraying at the edges um and that it's just really well done.
2: Right. We'll put post a link of course at satellitesisters.com and at our Facebook pages. Worth yeah. worth looking at.
0: Yeah. Well, Leanne, another article that maybe is a little a little brighter uh was one that I saw this morning. It was how to be more empathetic. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, go ahead. All right. All right. This is, you know,
0: an empathy which is defined as really the sensitivity to emotions, either positive or negative. You know, it's, it's really, you know, as one psychologist put, put it, being in the heart of another person you know, that, and that basically there are uh, people fall into two main categories that like when you are faced with someone who is emotional, either, you know, positively or negatively, some people automatically seek to comfort or uh, comfort that person, you know, that that is their natural reaction. Uh, Other people, when they see that someone's upset, they actually feel threatened by seeing that emotion. And they sort of try to distance themselves. They, they in fact, experience what uh, psychologists call empathetic distress. They don't, you know. Really? Yes, they don't you know and it, and a lot of it can be sort of both genetic or sort of cult or cultural like if you grew up in a family where where there was a lot of people like when people cried people rushed over and tried to make you feel better you know or maybe you grew up in a family where people didn't express their emotions and that you know that it was really looked on to be upset uh Uh, you know, this, you know, you have, you grow up with sort of different wiring about whether or not you can, you know, you're empathetic, whether this is a natural stage. I mean, don't you notice people, know people that like, sometimes when people are upset, their, their reaction is not to help while others are just natural comforters. Yes. They, okay. Yeah. That's okay.
2: Yeah. I didn't know they were repelled by, yes. some uh, by people are actually emotional outbursts. Yes, okay. They
0: feel threatened by it. They do not <laughs> want to go to that emotional state and they, you know, they, they really feel threatened, uh, threatened by it. Now, some people can, can change. I mean, and it's not, you know, you're not like bound by, what you grew up with uh, necessarily. And that, you know, commonly, if you've been through very difficult things, the loss of a spouse, of a child, or of a parent, you can grow in your empathy. If you have been through tough stuff, you know, in many ways, then you can, you know, you're much more able to, um, to comfort those that are, that are, you know, that are experiencing emotional pain. Uh, But, you know, if you haven't been through some difficult things, you know, let's, for one reason or another, you know, you may not react or you may not, you know, have that kind of sensitivity. Um, but, uh, but empathy is really importantly. Now, why are we even talking about it? Because it does improve relations, okay. And your relationships, uh, and it's not something, you know, they, they used to say that they used to think that, well, women are just naturally better and outperform on the empathy scale than men, but that's not true. That is not true. I know mean, oh, it some, isn't. No, no. In some cases, you know, that has been a women's social role to be the comforter, but, um, you know, oh, but and, we don't actually care. Well, we don't have, you don't have to care just because you're a woman, you do not have to care, but you can improve on this and you, and the reason you do want to improve and you want to make that empathetic effort because it improves your relationship and, uh, with your friends, with your partners, whoever it is. So, so I think the first thing they, they recommend is you have to pay attention to other people's reactions. Okay. Which a lot of people don't do. Right. Because right? right. they're
2: looking at their phones, Julie. They're very yes. busy looking at their phones.
0: Or if, when you're seeing someone react, are you automatically judging them? Are you like, oh, yes, right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm not, that's not good.
0: That is not good, <laughs> okay. Link. You need to challenge your assumptions, sister. Okay. okay. You need, you need <laughs> to. Okay. That's the first one. Second one this is impossible for me to listen carefully. Okay. You. <laughs> You know, you're doing this when you're making eye contact. You're not looking at the phones, you're not distracted and you're asking questions. You're really listening. Okay. Active listening, Leon, you got to do it or you're not going to perform on the empathy scale. All right. okay. And, you know, then you can really acknowledge, you know, and, and provide comfort to another person. If you, if you sort of paraphrase what they said, you know, like if you feed them back what you, what you heard you know, again, takes a long time, Liam, which, uh, <laughs> and why do we, what? Brunch, well, why do it. we,
2: oh, we want to do this to quote,
0: improve our relationships. That's yes, Liam. Yes. Okay. Right, but then maybe you got to work on that first one that you want to improve your, I think
2: it's important. I think it's important to improve your relationship. Yeah. And
0: then you have to accept other people's feelings, which then they may be different than yours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, uh, and, but you don't have to, You know, you don't have to what they're saying is you don't have to agree with their feelings, but you have to acknowledge that those are their feelings and and just being concerned can be helpful to them. Okay. Okay. Uh, And then this is their last thing they said. If people are angry and sad, you shouldn't rush to tell them this is like a false empathy to say, well, if things are going to get better, you don't have to hate
2: when people do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you don't need to fix the problem. This is what my husband always does. I tell him something and he tries to fix the problem. I don't want you to fix it. I just want <laughs> you to go back to point 2. Just listen carefully. At point 3, acknowledge or what that you've heard me, you know? So so maybe I'll use this to improve my relations my husband. Maybe I'll just do that, Liam. That's it. But but it is interesting. I just think that it's, I had never thought about the idea of actually trying to improve your ability to be empathetic or, and that, um, you know, that by doing that, you can improve your relationship, you know, that you're not, you know, you're not stuck in a position, you know, you're not just because maybe you didn't, Grow up that way, or you're not as comfortable uh, expressing or seeing people's emotions. You don't have to stay that way. You can actually get better at it. Where's this article from? It was in the Wall Street Journal. Okay, it, Liam? we can put the link up. Yep. Yeah. So. Okay. Fantastic. All right. So, just do you hear me? You got? Yeah, that? I hear you.
2: I got it. Okay. I'm writing okay. it down. Okay. I, I, Julie, I hear you, and I validate you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Says nothing about being sassy, Lena. Okay. Nothing about being sassy. (laughs) Okay. Finally, Lena, I just have to mention, just once again, Brooklyn is the center of the universe. Okay. Two big stories coming out of Brooklyn that just prove that it is the place where like genius is happening. The first one is happening at Vinnie's Pizzeria in Brooklyn. Did you see this story? No. Where. You know, people love pizza. And uh, and when you take your pizza home, it comes in a big cardboard box. And that the boxes, people don't really love pizza boxes, right? Because they're hard. You can't put them in the refrigerator. They're too big. You know, they're hard to recycle, all of that. Well, Vinny's Pizza in Brooklyn has created a pizza box, Lynn. Think about this. There's a pizza in it, but they have made a box out of pizza crust that has, are you, are you following me? I'm, I'm listening actively because
2: I want to, so far, not so good to me. So listening actively. Yes, it's
0: a crust. It's, they made the pizza crust. They have formed into the shape of a pizza box. And then they put the pizza in the pizza crust box. So uh-huh. you get a pizza box that is, you get a pizza box that is made out of pizza. Okay. Right. This is this is you know a guy thought this up, right, Leanne? I'm I'm surprised our brother Brendan did not work on <laughs> worked this up. You know, like some guy who's just eaten eight million pizzas. You know, he's you know really had a lot of issues with pizza boxes, has a lot of pizza old pizza boxes in his life, and he said there must be a better way. And coming out of Brooklyn, New York, they figured a better way, Land. That they you know, and it's not easy to craft a box out of a pizza crust you know so is it
2: edible yes you can eat it yes so yes. even though your hands have been all over it and it's presumably like been on the subway in Leon. brooklyn i mean i'm just Leanne. it's a pizza it's a lot of crust it's, i mean it's I a like, lot of
0: crust but it's no. but you don't have a cardboard box anymore Leon. you don't have a cardboard box
2: just that it's would never hard. fly in Los Angeles because of our fear of carbs. But uh so getting like more pizza crust is not what people in Los Angeles want. But,
0: but they I mean, don't really want those cardboard boxes. So Vinny and Vinny's pizza in Brooklyn has figured out you can like he's he's it's $45. It's it's expensive well, That's like.
2: ridiculous.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm no, looking it up not.
2: now. I mean, I who doesn't like the pizza that pizza box that much that they're going to pay an extra 25 box well, i see it okay i understand it i see it now it's yes just...
0: you see it it's good it's good Leanne. it's a pizza box uh made out of pizza well
2: they oh but they so it's not just a the crust they actually put a it's like you get two pizzas
0: well it's uh, yeah it's like like the inside bottom out. it's inside out yeah. the
2: bottom layer of the pizza pizza crust box is actually pizza it's
0: okay. a meta it's a meta pizza <laughs> it is
2: julie Okay, already. I'm not sure this qualifies as center of the universe thinking. Center, but. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. Well, okay,
2: this is, okay, so okay. But I know you got another
0: thing. I got so. another one, Leon. Okay. What else do they have? A lot of in in Brooklyn is pigeons, Leon. Right. So this weekend, starting this weekend, so uh, a, at the Brooklyn a pigeon box
2: made out of pizza. Then
0: is that? No, no. What? Well, the pigeons can eat the the extra pizza. The crust that you that you yes. Californians don't want to eat. We don't want to eat okay. that. But starting this weekend, o- over six weekends, starting May 7th, um, an artist named Duke Riley is going to, it's an avian project, Leon, the mm-hmm. title of which is Fly by Night. And he has 2,000 pigeons. And each of these pigeons has an LED light attached to its leg. And he is in the Brooklyn Navy, Navy, Navy Yard, and he is on a boat, And he is going to release these 2,000 pigeons with the LED lights. And they are going to fly around over the waters of the East River. And they're going to do what pigeons do. Uh, They're going to swoop and they're going to fly and they're going to swirl. And then they're all coming back to Brooklyn and back to Duke Riley. Well, that
2: is awesome. That (laughs) I'm on board with.
0: That sounds great. Doesn't this sound good? (laughs) Yes. it it's... I mean, and I give anybody credit that would touch 2,000 pigeons. (laughs) Yuck. I know. He said, well, you know, it's not easy to get 2,000 pigeons. I mean, you can't just. No, I'm sure. You cannot just order them on the internet. No, he's had to kind of collect them along the way. And, um, And, you know, he he had to like, and then they have to attach the LED lights and stuff like that. So he lives with the pigeons. He was an art student in Providence, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And apparently he lived in a, it said a pigeon coop for four years in Providence, (laughs) where the rent was $25 a month. Wow. I'm surprised
2: it was that high, but okay.
0: (laughs) It sounds so disgusting. I know. But the pigeons, he said, are like his roommates. And he feels like pigeons... get a really bad, you know, bad rap, you know, ever since Woody, Woody Allen, uh, called them rats with wings, right? which, which is probably true. You know, he just, but he feels like you can really, you know, you know, this is really going to be a breakthrough moment for pigeons that people are going to see them like cats and dogs that pigeons have long domesticated. Now they're not like wild animals. They're, you know, they really can be like household pets. Um, he doesn't exactly know how these mass flights are going to work. He's not sure, um, you know, because they're different birds and they have different behaviors and each breed brings their own sort of flying technique. Okay, uh, this is a lot of
2: pigeon detail.
0: <laughs> I'm but, sorry. I, um, was that, not, was said, that
2: unempathetic?
0: <laughs> no, you're not being empathetic. You're not listening to me at all. Why don't you sit back and get yourself a pizza box, Leanne, and then you'd be able to enjoy this. I thought, I mean, that's the kind of creativity that's going on in Brooklyn. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Pizza boxes and pigeons, 2000 pigeons with led lights. Okay?
2: okay. Liz summer is coming up and you know what that means. It means you're grilling, you're grilling and for chilling sure. there yes. with your, with your butcher
1: box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing because I'm going to be up in, in bend for a part of the summer.
2: free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code SISTERS to choose your free-for-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day... And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. OSEA is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to OSEAMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, OSEA. All right. That well, that I look forward to seeing the video, the photos of that. At least it sounds sounds uh lightworthy. It sounds artworthy, I think. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you, Julie, for okay. that. I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off. I just I don't care that much about actual <laughs> <laughs> pigeons. Okay, righty. Okay. alright. Uh, right. uh, I have a couple of health and fitness fit uh, Fitbit tidbits, is what I'm calling it. But um, okay, the first Julie was an interesting head-to-head uh, test I saw yesterday on Good Morning America. Now, everybody in the world has a Fitbit. I know your husband got one. Do yes. you have one?
0: I don't have one, but I gave I gave my husband one and my son one for Christmas. Yes. All right. So they were testing the
2: Fitbit and two other brands that are like that, high-performing, wearable fitness technology, against just the free, already-on-your-phone tracking devices. Now, if you have an iPhone or if you have a smart Samsung smartphone, you'll see there is like, you look on your, you know, your screen and you're going to see something that says health and a big heart. And I've never really clicked on it because I didn't know what was happening there. Um, But that is actually a pedometer and a mileage tracker. Really? Oh, yeah, Jewel. And it's already on your phone. And if you've been carrying your phone around, as I know you do all the time, Julie, it's Mm -hmm. already tracking your movements. You didn't even need to sign up for it. You could go to that heart right now on your iPhone and see how many steps you've walked today. And in your case, it's probably like a million and six. So, uh, because you walk so fast. So they did a head to head, uh, of these two, the wearable devices that cost you and the free ones on your smartphone. And they actually found that the free ones on your smartphone in terms of tracking distance and steps were equal or better than some of the wearables. Huh. So now the ones on your phone do not track calories. They don't track sleep. They don't track heart rate. There are other you know, things that the Fitbit and the other wearables give you that the ones on your phone don't. But if you're simply looking to do your 10,000 steps or wondering, hey, I wonder how long that walk is from my office to the train station, you can actually just use the free one on your iPhone and it works really well. It was within like 4% of accuracy, All right, Lynn. which is the same rate of accuracy as the Fitbit. So there you go. And all the data is already in there. Like, I, I, yesterday I was like, well, I'm going to test this out. And it was to my surprise, I looked, I was like, oh, look, I did four miles on Sunday. And here's, you know, all the data from the last month. If you carry your phone around, if it's in your pocketbook or your your pocket or your hand when you walk, it's registering your data. So there you go. So just wanted to pass that along to people.
0: I like it, Leah. Yep. I like it very much. Thank I'm, you, Joel. Looking at my heart, and I'm going to, I'm going to
2: like, Start tracking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've just been trying, just found that with my dog gone, like I definitely am taking fewer steps like that late afternoon when I used to like, okay, let's go one more walk around the block. I don't do that anymore. But I thought, kept thinking, I should get a pedometer. And you know what? I got a pedometer. So now I have no excuses. So summer shape up. There you go. Now, the other big study that came out this week was about the, the losers on the biggest loser. Okay. Mm -hmm. They tracked 14 of the previous contestants of The Biggest Loser. And that's that TV show where they lose tremendous amounts of weight, like half their body weight, right? They started 248 pounds and they ended 138. And they found at least for the 14 people they tracked that most of them gained a good portion of the weight back. And well, what scientists discovered was that This is sort of the bad news. If you have a lot of weight to lose, it's not impossible news, but it is a bummer uh, and should make you not feel like a loser, uh, is that your body actually adjusts down and your metabolic rate slows. So if you've had a big, tremendous weight loss, your metabolism is going slower than a person who hasn't had a big weight loss. But who's at that same weight? So that they seems so unfair. I that's, know yeah. they broke it down on Good Morning America today. Very simply, it was just basically say you're at your ideal weight. You're 200 pounds. Your man 200 pounds. That's your weight. That's kind of your ideal body weight. If you're someone who weighed 220 and then lost the 20 pounds to get to 200, so you weigh exactly the same. There's a market difference between your metabolic weight, weights Shit. rates. I know, bummer, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know. So they said it's part of a larger picture in looking at obesity, and it means that maybe some of these sur- surgical options that people go, oh, you should just, you know, lo- you know, lose weight, you just, you know, eat less, exercise more. That isn't always the right equation. Like even even possible. It's not, eating, even, poss- it's it's not, not poss- even possible. Oh, so so that's it's just a bigger picture thing. I know, and it reminded me. Remember when we used to have that. um, enthusiastic Dr. Pam Peak on the show remember yes. Pe- peak performance she would like come on the show and whip us into shape and she was terrifying in her enthusiasm but i'll never forget she used to say the easiest way to lose weight is to not gain it and that Yeah, that is I just want to put that out there. Yeah. I you know, it's easy to get cynical and stuff and go, oh, oh, that's not helpful. But if you think about it, just try not to gain the weight is the best way to lose weight. And I remember my gynecologist said the same thing. He said, just the mothers, they come back to me afterwards and they yell and they scream and they go, Why did you let me gain so much weight? So I'm just telling you, this is, you know, twenty five to thirty pounds. That's what you should aim for. You know, if you gain fifty, that you are going to be 20 pounds mad at me when you come back. So it's just, you know, just thinking about planning your long-term fitness. So there you go. But, uh, both two interesting studies, but now you have your pedometer. So that that's one I'm ready thing to go.
0: Liam. One can, thing to do. One we thing can have do. competition, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> no. no, it doesn't. No. <laughs> Remember once we had one of those biggest losers on the show and uh-huh. the show was brand new and so much so that I don't think we had even seen it. I don't, you know, and they came on the show and they told us about the show. And I remember we said to the our producer afterwards, let's never have those people on the show again. Because, so, you know, like that just didn't make common sense to any of us. Well, of course, if you're as one of the contestants said today, on Good Morning America. Well, I was working out like four times more than any other person on the planet. So then you go back to your office job and your metabolism slowed down and you're not working out eight hours a day. Those are just impossible equations. You know, Mm -hmm. those are impossible equations to make happen. So there you go. Just, just take out your smartphone and get walking and figure it out. But that two, two, uh, tidbit fitness tidbits for you this week. All right, Julie, we're going to do, um, our outlander, uh, Commentary Sister Sasnatch. We're just going back to the original name. It was a good name. Why did we stop using it? I I don't don't know.
0: know, And I think we just forgot. That was, (laughs) I think that's, (laughs) I think. I know. So, uh, but if you're
2: looking for the Madam Secretary recap, that will be a separate show that we're going to post in a couple of days. Um, All right, Jill, this week on Outlander, at least there were many plots afoot. I I appreciated that this week things seemed to start happening. The plots were thickening. There was some action. There was some, uh, there was some fighting. There was some terrible assaults. There were some uh, unpleasant medical procedures to witness. And
0: the main one is Jamie and Claire got back together. Yes. Let's just say that. okay yes. uh, I mean, that is really I realized when they had their big lovey dovey scene leon that that 's the glue that 's holding this whole <laughs> preposterous time travel story together you know, and that 's really the only reason I continue to watch, so i 'm glad they had that early in the episode that you know things were, were things were Back to, back the way they should be, should be between Claire and Jamie, right? Right, where
2: they lost their mojo after the, Jamie's horrible experience in the prison uh, with Captain Jam- Jack Randall. And frankly, who wouldn't? I had to say, I thought Claire was being a little bit of a whiner, like, oh, I'm going through this pregnancy alone. Well, not really alone, Claire, because you have like 26 servants there at the house. So,
0: <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> So empathetic, sister. So empathetic.
2: <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure men 300 years ago never really helped with the pregnancy. I'm sure they were no. never really excited, right? I don't, culturally, I, I cut Jamie a lot of slack, but he'd also just been through a very traumatic experience. So right. they got their mojo back and that was important. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the other thing we learned was that um, embroidery really is the new uh, <laughs> knit. Where? You know, for season one, it was all about the beautiful Scottish woolen knits that looked itchy, but beautiful. And this season, the embroidery on the costumes is astonishing, isn't
0: it? Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous costumes. She doesn't even look pregnant when she's in her uh, dresses, you know, but she's wearing that, like, again, the small love seats every time, every time. So it does hide a lot, but they're just... The details are absolutely beautiful. Jamie's vests are beautiful. Th- those are those are nice. I still pre- prefer the kilts and the and the and the sweaters and the knits, land. But I I I felt like at least I enjoyed the scene where you know he was running around their uh, chateau uh, in his shirt. Uh, yeah, uh, I did too. That was a good scene. <laughs> I mean, again, that's why I'm watching Outlander. Okay, <laughs> so let's just get. Right
2: yeah there is a storyline between Jane, uh, between claire's only friend there who that the just insipid french woman yes. who apparently is having an affair with the insipid uh, you know crown prince and now she's pregnant and that that just seemed see, i didn't care about either one of them but <laughs> But I think we're going to have to put up with that because there's political intrigue there. Uh, Yeah, Jamie and Claire were just more of a team this week. So everything they went through was more interesting. The political machinations, the fancy dinner party they gave that was supposed to lead to a big fight. But it did. But a fight between the wrong people. Of course, we had like a terrible assault in the middle of it. The young English girl. We knew she was doomed from the start, right? I know, she I just know. she was doomed from the start, and that w- that will end poorly. Uh, but basically, we had the embroidery and we had the lovey dovey scene, and that was worth that, that was, was worth it, it for now, me. Now, I
0: did like the fight scene, the fight scene at the end of this very fancy dinner, where um, Jamie at one point had a large silk tassel in yeah. his hand and he's walloping one of those French dudes with the giant silk tassel. I love that land, so I. I, you know, I love the fighting. I like the fighting and the loving. Okay. That's what I want to see in this show. So. And I just have to say, it looks super
2: boring to live during that time period. Doesn't it? Are our lives
0: that boring? Just hanging around in the parlor. You know, I I am a little uncomfortable with how much Claire is drinking during her pregnancy. (laughs) But I'm sure she doesn't have a copy of What to Expect When You're Expecting. No one (laughs) gave her one. So. But yeah, she's just wandering around in those parlors, Play, they're playing chess. Yeah. It looks pretty boring.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think the same when I read Jane Austen, it's the same thing. Like, oh, women's lives were so tedious. So I don't blame Claire for like going to that horrible hospital and performing whatever that surgery was. I can't even watch those scenes. (laughs) What was that cracking? What did they crack a bone? They were
0: resetting bones, Liam. I almost fainted too. Yeah. (laughs) So, was going to have to be revived by a large silk tassel. Okay. okay. Yeah. That, that was, it just all,
2: it all looks fairly boring. So they have to trump up these like fake scandals because their actual lives are fairly boring, but the actual embroidery is not, I mean, I just, even the like medicine man's embroidered vest with that kind of wizard and sun and star on it. I like him. I like that guy. I like that character. Where she goes, the, the herbalist, where she goes for her yes. stuff, her stash. Yes. Her stash stuff. I don't know what's happening there. So the storyline picking up, glad to see that. Uh, and next week it looks like Jamie, ha- I mean, Claire has to make a choice between Jamie and Jack Randall and here and now or in the future. So that's exciting, Julie. I know how much you're going to be looking forward to that. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Okay, Lynn. All right, y'all.
2: All right. Uh, we are the Satellite Sisters. It's Mother's Day. Julie, do you have any
0: plans already?
2: Are you waiting for... I know. What do you do? You don't make your own plans, right? You do don't you? make your own. But right.
0: I But I, I. am. I mean, I'm going to preempt it because I don't want to go out to dinner. So I, I'm going to make some plans, have everybody over here. Um, I've sent out cards. I, I. You know. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, the grandmothers, the mothers-to-be, the grandmothers-to-be. You know, we're thinking of you. you aunts, have plans, plans? yeah, yeah aunts. aunts,
2: mentors, people who step in. Yeah, that's that's nice. I'm looking forward. We have every year at my son's school. It's an all boys school, so they give a big mother's brunch, and oh. this is my last
0: one. Oh, Leanne, that's nice. Okay, enjoy. You can cry. I'm totally yes. gonna
2: cry because yes, yes. the senior boys write their mothers letters. Oh. It's super nice. So well, I'm crying now just thinking, I just can't believe he's graduating at 18 and going off. So, so that's, so that's my weekend. I don't care what happens after that. I'm getting my letter.
0: <laughs> okay. okay.
2: <laughs> We're getting a good seat. We're strategizing with my friend, Christina, who listens to the show. We're going early. We're going to save a good seat. Uh, Cause this for her is her last one too. We've been mothers at the school for seven or eight years now. So it's just a really nice day. So I'm looking forward to that
1: good like. hold it
2: together. trying and to try to hold it together until i actually get the letter but you'll see all the mothers wear really dark sunglasses and, and no mascara because even if it's not your kid you cry i know <laughs> it's a nice day all right um what else that's, that's it, it sister, all right so have a good week okay you too joel and don't forget call your satellite sister